Hello and welcome to today's edition of Chapter by Chapter for Dune. I am your host, Will Cowan. With me is my good friend and co-host, Steve. And Steve, you owe me an apology. Right off the get-go, you owe me an apology. You know why? So, <clears throat> everyone, here's what happened is that my mic didn't work and now Will's pretending like his mic always works and he's never had problems. Never had a problem once. Never, ever had a problem once. It's always been you. Except, all, except for like the... Except all those problems. In Eye of the World, yeah. <laughs> but we don't talk about them. <laughs> so, yeah, we're... This is a third episode of Dude. You got like 40, 45 episodes left to screw up. Oh, right? yeah. I mean, there's a now, wide range now of watching. fuck-ups that we can uh, we can do uh, in between now and then. But... <clears throat> Listen, everyone, in podcasting, these things happen. You know, happens to the best of them. In this case, happens to the worst of them, too. So, you know, you decide where we fall in there. I don't know. All right. So, we're getting into Chapter 3 today. So, Chapter 3... I know the last two chapters, and even though we've, we're recording this even after we've already recorded a few other future chapters, um, the last few chapters are so incredibly dense. Like, I believe I said already, I can't remember if it was in, yes, uh, in chapter two or chapter one, uh, but these chapters are like a, like a sifter, you know? Like, it's... Sifting through sand. Yeah, like, if you're not going to get into this book, the first chapter is going to be really, really hard to get by. You know what I mean? But as you sift through that sand every now and then, a worm will pop out at you. Bam! Uh, maybe, maybe a big fat guy. <laughs> you know? So I don't know. I still don't really know what Dune's throwing at me. I don't really know what Dune is about. Right, yeah. And I'm Right now, I've got... There's a guy named Paul, and he's... Uh, you know, he's destined, he's a chosen one, whatever. There's a big fat guy. He doesn't like Paul or Paul's family. No, doesn't like him at all. Um, and presumably lots of other people too. There's Dune. Yep. Arrakis. Dune, desert planet. Presumably full of worms. That's what I've got. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? That is really good for the first two chapters. Like, I guess like me, like helping you and explaining what things are for the journey that you're going to take throughout this book, that's going to help a lot. But just imagine, I, I'm assuming like everybody, like me, when you just pick up the book for the first time, you're just kind of like, what is going on here? You're just trying to like crack the code and trying to see what it means. And I've been, I've been in Dune 101, right? Yeah. And I've been steeped in it. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure it's affecting the my sleeping patterns. <laughs> I've I have been waking up at bizarre times. I keep waking up at four or five. Ah, uh, that's the duning hour. F- you know, six sometimes. More usually more like four. It is the duning hour, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's the duning hour. I actually used to wake up purposely before I go to work uh, at four o'clock or five o'clock in the morning to read Dune. That was like uh, last year. Maybe you're just uh, yep. maybe <laughs> maybe you're just going through the same process. Yep, that's a sentence that you just said that you've recorded and are putting on the internet. <laughs> so that's real. Yeah, man, I did it. I love Dune. I, I no. love it. Listen, I'm starting to love Dune too. We all love Dune. We all love Dune. I wish I never had to sleep. <laughs> so you can just read Dune all the time. I wish I could s- talk about and worms. just be doing things. I think sleep is just a tremendous waste of time. Like, why do we got to sleep? Yeah, you it's know? a lot of hours too to sleep. Like. Think of how much you can get it's done. So many. Think how much time. It's so many hours. Things you can do in five hours, six hours, seven hours, eight hours. You know what I mean? Well, eight hours is like the standard, like or like you know, full sleep 
considered for a lot of people. Yeah. And that's a full work day. That's a full work day. You can pick up a second job if you didn't have to sleep. <laughs> think of the income you would make. Or a third job. You know what? Fourth even. The more I think about this, now that we're talking about it, how much do you think the people in Dune sleep when it comes... Like, do you think they, they necessarily have to sleep eight hours or do you think they can more more or less operate on like four because they've... Well, here's the first question. Do they sleep in Dune? Yep. Well, the first chapter is Paul waking up from... Uh, I don't know what he's waking up from. Could be anything. Could be a spice coma. <laughs> Could be a spice trance. You know, Piter seems like a kind of guy that would go into spice comas. I think there are spice trances. I don't want to get into it, but I think there are. Oh, I would assume there are. Yeah. There's got to be a lot. I don't know what the spice is all about. It, it can't just be a drug. It. Right? I don't even want, like, I'm. Yeah, don't tell me. Don't fucking tell me. Don't fucking, don't fucking spoil that, Will. I didn't. I didn't. Jeez. Up. Come on, man. All right. Let's don't get into, that. let's get into chapter three here. Spend enough time just yelling at each other, talking about spice. All right. So. I don't think there's ever enough. <laughs> so. Let's get into chapter three, but before we start talking about anything that we're going to be talking about for chapter three, we got to read the chapter intro. So, Steve, take it away. Thus spoke Saint Alia of the Knife. The Reverend Mother must combine the seductive vows of courtesan with the untouchable majesty of virgin goddess. Hold these attributes in tension so long as the powers of her youth endure. For when youth and beauty have gone, she will find that the place between, once occupied by tension, has become a wellspring of cunning and resourcefulness. From from Muad'Dib, Family Commentaries, by the Princess Irulan. Like what I did there? Yeah, I like it. Yeah, yeah, you changed the voices up. That was... Yeah, a little, little clap. A little clap for you. So we get a little bit about the Bene Gesserit. And, uh... Benny Jesuit, I think I've said it already, they're they're like wizard types, but they're not really wizard types. They don't do any sort of magic per se. Yeah, they're like everything in this book where it's like they're kind of like a robot, but they're not a robot. Or they're kind of like a wizard. But they're not a wizard. Yeah. And, you know, spice is a drug, but it's not a drug. But it is. But, you know, yeah, I don't know. Everything, worms. Yeah, worms that aren't worms. They're more like tubes. I don't know. <laughs> it's tubes <laughs> that but you're totally right man like it everything is and isn't the thing and i think that makes it, it like i said earlier like it makes it such, so much harder to kind of crack the code of this book so crack the code crack the code um so that chapter intro is just giving us a little bit of context of the expectations for a bene Gesserit. um all bene Gesserit are women and i think i think it was in a previous recording that we're not going to use. I think you said something of the fact that it's almost kind of sexist, you know, in in a way. Yeah, well, the the whole thing of um, that women, well, because women have to be Benny Jesuits. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then and then the chosen one has to be has to be male, has to be a boy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, and everyone was kind of there was this. Yeah. This is the whole thing of of why did you have a boy, right? Why Why did you have a boy? Yeah. Exactly. And you knew the boy would be magical or something. Yeah. Exactly. Like I mean, you're supposed to be having women who aren't magical, 
and they can become Benny Jesuits. Yeah. Which to me, <laughs> Benny Jesuits, is problematic, outdated. I don't want to hear it. I've had enough. Yeah. So, like, even in that chapter introduction, like, they're even just saying, like, the expectations, like, they have to be beautiful and young and 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 sexy in a way. But I don't think they'll have that same sort of expectation for the Kwisatz Haderach. You know. Well, because the the Kwis the keys. The Kiza Cataract <laughs> is the that's the boy, right? That's if a boy's born. Yeah, that's if a boy's born. Um, yeah, with the no matter what, that he's potential, right? Yeah, it's if boy's born, he's he's got he's it. Now, probably now that I'm thinking of it, I think it's not if a boy is born the Kiza Cataract. I think you're the Kiza Cataract after you take the water of life. And that's like a reverend mother process. You become like a guy's hella Mahayim after you take the water of life and Mahayim? Mahayim. Yeah, yeah. And that's like sprinkled in throughout this entire chapter is this conversation about the Kwisatz Haderach. Right at the very beginning, we get a little bit of a conversation um, with guy's hella Mahayim kind of tearing Jessica a new one about her having uh, her choosing to have a son. Oh boy. Than having a daughter. And That's I, what I'm talking about. And I think in the plans that the Bene Gesserit have in their in their breeding program and how they're trying to yeah, in the breeding program, like <laughs> because they're trying to breed, they're trying to breed the the keys the the keys are C- Cadillac. Right? <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Which to me sounds. Very that sounds not good. That you're trying to breed this like super uh super human. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good way. That sounds like bad like things that bad people have done, Will. Yeah, that is that is that is all kind of bad thing. Those are all bad things. You you can't do that. You just can't do that. But that's the historically not done by very good people. The thing is about these characters, and even though there are main characters and they're technically, like, arguably, like, Paul is the hero or anything like that, in context with our modern-day values and everything, these people are pretty fucking awful to each other. Like, there's no real good guy. There's no real good guy in this. And we've talked about it in the Butlerian Jihad. Like, everybody was... The Butlerian Jihad. Everybody was complicit with the annihilation of artificial intelligence even if it was like its own thinking being you know what i mean like even if it was like considered a life even the most basic of terms they st- everybody went ahead with wiping out that entire species everybody went ahead with it it makes you wonder you know yeah what what, what became of the google home <laughs> what did alexa really get up to you know in another 20 years uh, you know, I don't know, but was so. But why did everyone uh, unanimously decide to get rid of the AI? Was there like a was there like a war or an uprising? Yeah. So war of the machines. Do you, I? I can get into this. It'll take like five minutes, but I'll, I can get into this if you want me to get into it. <laughs> I mean, does it come up in a chapter later? No, I think it's more about. I think it's more in the uh, the Dune Dune Encyclopedia. I think it's mentioned in the Dune Encyclopedia and not really mentioned in the books at all. All right, well, lay it on me. All right, so 
I think it's about 10,000 10, years before, or maybe 5,000 years, some, whenever the Betlarian Jihad just started, uh, before the events of Dune, um, there was this woman by the name, her last name was like Butleria or something like that. Like she was the but she was the butler, she was the butler or the Butleria or whatever. And Buttress. she found out that her term, her pregnancy was terminated, uh, through the direction of an artificial intelligence who believed that the either the birth wasn't going to like either the child wasn't going to survive birth or maybe it was just like it w- was not in co- it wasn't coinciding with population control or anything like that the point is is that an ai made the decision to terminate her birth when she thought it was a human making that decision and then that created the uprising when she found that out it was a machine that said it she was like no machine is going to tell me when or where I'm going to have a child. And Dang. and thus started the Butlerian Jihad. And she kind of got in, got involved with the entire religious sector of uh, the universe at that point. Uh, so a lot of the religious heads who also were not big fans of the Butlerian or of AI, they all helped her kind of. Tear it all apart, man. Rally behind that, yeah. They just, that's great. That's interesting because that's like how it would play out. Yeah, man. Like you know? it almost makes me think of it's a very realistic scenario. Makes me really think of um, the Animatrix. Assuming AI existed, the Animatrix. I never watched the Animatrix. You should. There's a there's a really good series about. Uh, there's a really good couple shorts about the the machine uprising, and it it's not quite it's not the same, but it still has that human element. I don't want to spoil it for you, but it has that like human element of why people did this but you feel really bad for the robots though it's really good i feel bad for robots <laughs> i mean hey that's good because that you'll fit right into the dune universe and they don't use any of that shit everybody's got like just yoga powers and and meditation that's how everybody works that sounds great hey man despite the 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 heat and the worms, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> so during this conversation, like I said, Guys Helmheim is giving shit to Jessica about having a son. That's part of the power of the Bene Gesserit. They're able to control their metabolism and their kind of physical, theological biology uh, in a way that they can actually choose the gender of their child and a bunch of other things. They they just have like more training and more sense awareness than uh the average it's crazy that they can do that what else can they do uh i don't can they grow their fingernails really fast if they want to like yeah yeah, yeah. give a claws i don't think that happens can you grow a beard real fast you know what these are the real questions can they grow change the color of your beard yeah why not with your mind or your hair that is a good point i've never thought of it like that I've always just kind of like taken it at face value that they just kind of like are able to control their metabolism and other physiological states. But I haven't taken it to the beard level yet. And that is the real question there, Steve. Where are the beards? I'm stroking my beard right now. It's a good beard, man. I like the well, I, I like the look that you're going for. Uh, you got this kind of uh, Canadian Rockies look. You got a toucan. Your beard's a little bit grown out. It's good, man. Yeah. So. Thank you. It's a little cold. It's a little you know, cold. I think it was just snowing a little bit today. It was. So. Thanks for reminding us. 
Guys Helmaheim is uh, furious with Jessica about this uh, because the goal that they had, the Benny Jesuit, or at least Guys Helmaheim in this in this conversation, at least, uh, was that the plan was to mate the daughter, the Atreides daughter, with a Harkonnen heir and to quote unquote seal the breach. Now, seal the breach. Seal the breach. What? Meaning what exactly? I I'm trying to think that. It wasn't going to be the uh, so Jessica pumped out the possibility of a Kwisatz Haderach a generation before it was supposed to happen. So I think the Benny Jesuit was planning on the Benny uh, the Kwisatz Haderach being born from the bloodlines of the Harkonnens and the Atreides, but Janes- Jessica mm. be- through her love of the Duke betrayed that. And se- what, what was it? Seal the breach. Seal the breach. And to like, to like repair the divide between the two houses. No, I think it's Arrakis and I think it's to uh, have the Kwisatz Haderach be born at the right time for humanity, because that's the whole Benny Gesserit thing uh, about the breeding program. Is that people are born at certain points that is best serve the that best serves the longevity of the Imperium and also the goals of the Benny Gesserit and all those other things. You know, nobody is like up front with every plan that they have. You know, everybody's got a little extra card hiding in their pocket or something. Yeah, you got to keep a snake in your pocket yeah. is what I call oh, it. I got, there's something a snake that in my expects, pocket. Because right? if we were in a fight, and then I just pulled snakes <laughs> out of my pocket, pocket full of snakes. Oh, right? man. You wouldn't expect I that. I would have no idea what to do. You're totally right. You're nailing it. Like, I'd... And then what happens next depends on the snake, right? <laughs> yeah, it's up to the snake at that point. You mix it up. There's a point in this conversation where Guy's Helmaheim also makes a reference to the fact that Jessica could be Jessica. The, Jessica has no regrets over the fact that she chose to have a son, and Guy's Helmaheim says, "Well, that's good. You make no regrets. No regrets is going to serve you really well when there's a a price on your head, and you and your son are running for your, your entire life or running for your lives." She's so, like, whoa, okay. <laughs> so cool, 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 cool. It's referring to Gaius Helmahayim's pseudo prescience ability. Now, I don't know for sure if it's like a, a Gaius Helmahayim thing that she can see into a future or like see a little bit into the future. It's one of those like prescience is seen into the future. Yeah, it's one of those like kind of seen into the future, but kind of not. It's another one of those things. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like you can see into the future enough to see that, like, something terrible is going to happen to somebody, but not enough to stop it. Yeah, exactly. And you can just be like, ah, I told you so. God, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I didn't tell you, but I told myself because I didn't have enough time. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, this this conversation is kind of like it's – there's the possibility that Jessica and her son will be running away in the future. And – it also is brought back near the end of the chapter where Paul is like, why were you speaking about my father as if he's already dead? Like, he's not dead. He's he's still alive. And what makes you think he's going to die? And oh, guys, yeah. Helma and she's just, like, nah, he's dead. <laughs> he's like, there's nothing we can do. <laughs> he is gone. like, nah, he, he's dead. And Paul's like, he's not. But Gallus Mahayam's like, mm, yeah, but no matter what, he's going to he's he's die. He's going to die. He's going to really Which is tough, you know? 
I mean, like, who if you're... plays his dad in the new movie? I was watching that new movie trailer again the other day. Oscar Isaac. That's what I thought. I thought it would be Oscar Isaac, which, you know, I like Oscar Isaac a lot and doesn't, you know, it's unfortunate, I guess, that he's playing the dad. Why is that? Because it sounds like, because oh. it sounds like the dad's going to die. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but when we get to meet the Duke Leto and get to know him, uh, you'll find that he is like a really cool character. And I think Oscar Isaac's going to do a bang up job. You know who else played? Uh, Duke Leto in the uh, I say Leto and Leto I switch between the two I'm not exactly sure which one's the proper way uh, to say it well so, it's spelled like Jared Leto right yeah it's spelled like Jared Leto but I've heard audiobooks say Leto I've seen interviews of like Frank Herbert I think he says Leto or maybe he says Leto I can't remember so I jump around a lot because I don't th- it, that, this is where it gets to the point where it's like it's a sci-fi novel you're gonna have to like pretend to know how to pronounce it Let's make a choice. Let's go with Leto. Leto? I like that. That's a little yeah. more spacey. I like that. It's more spacey. Where was I talking? What was I talking about? Oscar Who Isaac? Who plays him in the David Lynch movie? Oh, uh, actually, not the David Lynch movie. Um, the miniseries. The miniseries. Uh, William Hurt. William Hurt plays Duke Leto. And oh, it's wow. actually, like, it's it's actually a really good job. Like, well, William Hurt is like a classic actor. There's is the is the miniseries good? It's really faithful to the book, but there's just it doesn't have any budget for the uh, uh, for the scope that it's trying to achieve. Like it just has it looks like they're using costumes from like Shakespeare in the Park and just trying to uh. hold it all together. Uh, every set looks like it's just in a back lot uh, of the sci-fi. Like, whatever stuff that was not being used for Stargate Atlantis, that was the stuff that they were using in this show. Was it like a sci-fi channel show? Yeah, it was like sci-fi channel. One, what would it do, one season? Uh, Yeah, actually, it's um two episodes, but both episodes are like four hours long, or three hours long. Oh, it's like those, okay. Yeah. It's interesting how they do it, but like how they do it makes it the most faithful adaptation without trying to mess with things too much. So far. Yeah, so far. Which isn't um, saying a lot, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. Where was see I? The movie shapes up. I'm excited. All right, where were we? Uh, I think this is the point where after talking about this, uh, the sun and like this little like watch what you're saying because you're going to be running for your life in the future. This is where guys, Helen Mahayam says to Jessica, all right, bring the boy in. We're going to talk about dreams. And this is what I said in the second episode that we purposely kind of skipped over it in the first episode, but now we're going to start talking about it in this episode was the whole dream business uh, that Paul's going through. So the dream that he's con that he's, having happened to him is he paul is in a cavern some sort of like rock formation or something like that and he's with a girl and a girl says to him tell me tell me of the waters of your home world usul and paul's like i don't know what that means is that a planet is that me is that a car yeah usul sounds like a car yeah yeah you got that usul eats i just ordered some usul eats i just ordered usul eats (laughs) <laughs> what are you getting? 
I want a spicy chicken. Ooh, get, uh, can I get that with the extra worms? And some... Coming up. And some uh, Sappho juice on the side. Baby. I see, now I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> spit that water everywhere. This is this dream business is kind of Gaius Hallows Mahayam's cue into believing that there's potential for Paul to be the Kwisatz Haderach. And the reason for that is that he can kind of tell the future. Like, do your... I think she asked, like, do your dreams have... Do, does the future happen exactly how your dreams predict they will? And he's like, pretty much, yeah. So he he's developed this same sort of ability that Reverend, the Reverend Mother already kind of inherently has. But I think she had to be trained on it. When Paul... Yeah, people don't had, just have this ability. That's okay? the thing. Yeah, I don't think so. I think a lot of this stuff has to be trained into people. Unless you're talking about Paul. And even then, and even then, Paul is he he's he still is trained in a lot of things. Like uh, we're going to see a whole cast of characters come through, come and meet him in the next coming chapters, where we just get a revolving door of mentors and teachers and and uh, father figures, just all there to make Paul the best person that he can possibly be so it's kind of like he is he is a chosen one but he's also not the chosen one because he's accepting um his fate or like he's he's choosing to be the chosen one he's been you know, sort of groomed to be the chosen one yeah exactly you know how rand like had that choice i feel like rand had more of a choice into i'm going to be a part of this journey than not. I don't think he had a choice. I think maybe he thought he did, but I I don't think he had a choice. Yeah, maybe more. Um, Moraine was just like, give, she was playing probably some 4D Jess to make sure that he would have always chosen the path that they're going on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, right. that's a different series, but I'm pretty sure that, you know, he's Dragonborn, so he's got a... He's on that path. He's on that path. But like, like I said, like, it's a little bit different for Paul because he is groomed, like from birth to be this chosen one. Um, even though they don't really like think it, but he is, he totally is. He is. Cause I guess, I guess so. Cause he was a boy. Yeah. So let's talk sense, about, I guess what the Kwisatz Haderach is. So let's talk about it. The Kwisatz Haderach and the Reverend mother kind of join, uh, and the Reverend mothers are joined in a very specific way. Uh, Reverend mothers for a Bene Gesserit to become a Reverend mother. They take this thing called the water of life. Like I, mentioned earlier and what this ability gives them is this or what this drink gives them is the ability to see into the past through like genetic memory kind of like um assassin's creed you know what i mean oh yeah like uh okay you become your ancestors yeah but you don't have to like plug into an animus you just kind of like you can remember their memories you know that their memories become a part of you okay. in a way. and you become like this long line instead of just being an individual person along that line uh you're all those people ah you know? like the end of the rise of skywalker <laughs> uh e- no Th- let's not talk about that <laughs> <laughs> it is she becomes them all that movie fucking sucks i i, I sorry people <laughs> 
I no. Listen, everyone, we're not sorry. We're st- we're firm in our opinions here. They're poorly I, made movies. You know, like St- Steve, you and I probably have some differing opinions about Last Jedi, but I I feel pretty strongly about uh, the Rise of Skywalker and that it it blows. It's bad. It that is just bad, 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 bad. Poorly read. Poorly written. Poorly executed. Ugh, just anyways. But yeah, kind of like, yeah, like I said, like you can look through uh, your past ancestors, but only on the feminine side, like your mother, their mother, the mother before them, just constantly backwards, I think until like the beginning of time or as far as your line goes. Interesting, but only on only on the female side, only on the female side. Now, it's another thing like in Wheel of Time where like had the had the the females have the have the power. Yeah, I think it's a little bit different in Wheel of Time because um, the male Aes Sedai made this like huge sacrifice to uh, put away Balzaman, but and kind of costed their sanity in the process. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, therefore, it's real crazy. Therefore, the only trustworthy. Here, why? Why can't like can men? Why can't you see through your male ancestors? Well, they don't know. I don't. Th- well, I don't know. I shouldn't say they don't know. I don't know. Fair, but um, we found something he doesn't know. People, I don't there know. It is. Hey, look, I'm I'm trying to be your guide through Dune, and not just you. I'm talking great. to well, uh, probably well, dozens of people well, out there. Well, I think you're doing great. I, but I just want to say, you. I'm not an expert. So if you're going to be tweeting at me, if you're going to be screaming at me, just I'm an I'm a sensitive boy. Okay. We're lovers, not experts. <laughs> yeah, we're lovers. We're lovers. <laughs> so, the Kwisatz Haderach is the only male is a, a male person, a male. <laughs> <laughs> you doing okay over there? How are we doing? I just, I just said why I was, I said male person. As if, like, you didn't know what I was talking about. Like, you know, it's got to be well, a Well, you have to specify that it can't be a worm. Or a dog. Can the Are there dogs in Dune? No. Well, <laughs> funny you should ask. <laughs> have you have you watched the uh, Dune movie, like the 1986 one, David Lynch? I haven't rewatched it yet. Because there's dogs in that I, one. And it's like... <laughs> I can't wait. I, I can't. I I can't even explain it. Like it has, it's nothing to do with the book. It's never even mentioned in the book, but there's a dog in Dune, the movie. And it's so, I don't know why. Anyways. I'm looking forward to it. So, uh, the Kwisatz Haderach is the, is the male that can take the water of life without dying. And in the process, will be able to go through their male history and their female history. It'll be the only person that can jump that line you know what i mean and that's we'll like be the que- will be the paul yeah we'll be the paul um so that's the quiz that's hot rock now that makes that person extremely powerful like imagine having all the knowledge they have of, all the knowledge yeah they can see everything they can see everything and they're and like on top of the fact that like there's hints of paul's prescience like he can see into the future a little bit the and on top of his training uh as a Bene Gesserit from his mother, 
on top of uh, all the other training that he's getting from his mentat teacher, uh, from his father, and all the other like fighters that are on his on his father's employ. The dude, the kids is set up for success. Like, there's no real way for this guy to fail. You know? Yeah, he's stacked. Now, the real question is, how do we know a hundred percent that this guy is going to be a good person? <clears throat> he's set up for all of these well, things. I mean, I guess because he's a protagonist. We can only yeah. assume. I hope he turns. I hope he turns evil. Yeah, and that's kind of a little bit of a question that Dune asked, but I won't get into it uh too much. Guys Helen Mahaim also starts talking about uh Paul's ability to rule and he has some like not archaic I think just like uh, naive thoughts about ruling uh, because he's so young he's only 15 imagine being 15 and just having all these things thrown onto you you're gonna be a dude exactly you're being be told a... that you are you know the, the chosen one and yada 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 and like everyone's just setting you up for success can you do you, you think know, um, I guess I'll become king of a desert planet do you think that would like it put yourself in that in those shoes? Do you think that would make you uh more of an asshole, like way more like cocky, or do you think you'd give I mean, you a lot probably. more pressure? I think it would make me a dick. Yeah. Oh, especially at that age. Oh man, I'd be I'd like be a big dick, a big <laughs> ass. I would never sit anything on a table. I would just like eat food and just like drop it on the ground <laughs> everywhere wow. I go. And wow. you'll be like, what? I'm the Queen of Tadarak. I'm all yeah, my pa- I'm everybody that led up to me. I get I'm- everyone to pay for my Usul Eats. <laughs> um, so Gaius Helmaheim gives some uh gives some wise advice in regards of ruling. She says it's like a metaphor about willows. Like a willow by itself against the wind isn't gonna do anything. Uh or actually let me back that up. She says the, the advice is those who submit rule. And the example that she gives is that a willow tree by itself isn't, it will be subject to the wind. Like it'll, it'll blow over. It'll blow over. However, if the wind, if uh, the willow just stays with it and blows all the extra uh, seeds of the willow around, eventually there'll be a willow tree wall and it'll block the, uh, um, the wind. The wind. So I think this is referring to the fact that like you have to kind of ex- I'm trying to think of what this means. I feel like I, I understand it, but I forget how to I feel like she say like, don't think that you can do this on your own. Mm. Like, yeah, you are super powerful chosen one. But if you think that you can go Paul against the world. That wind's yeah, gonna blow you down. Yeah, exactly. Like that's how or, I take it, at least. Or those who like, uh, like don't get too ha- cocky. If he has more people who submit to him, or like if he submits, or if he has like if if a huge population of people submit to one ruler, that is the ruler. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're so, the other. They're the other. Willow's preventing the wind from knocking him out of his ruling position. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think this almost refers to his terrible purpose. I think you, you, we've probably read this phrase definitely in the first chapter is that 
Paul has his sense of terrible purpose, and he doesn't yeah. quite know what that is. And I think could that be indigestion. Could be indigestion. You got gas. Could be that existential doom. Terrible purpose. Either go go either way. Um, I think the final <clears throat> bit of notes that I have here, we already talked it about it a little bit, was um, Paul uh, talking to guys Helen Maheim about like his dad being dead. Like she's talking as if his dad's already dead. And he's like, no, he's not dead. Meh, he's still around. And she's like, meh. <laughs> he did. Come on, man. Um, I th- And then following that is just guys Helma Haim just saying that there's a lot of potential for Paul to be the Kwisatz Haderach. He needs a lot more training. And she says that he's got some training in the ways. What are the ways? Maybe it's Benny Jesuit Ah, way. yes. The ways. That's where a dog man takes you through. He teleports you through the woods. <laughs> to different groves. Begrudgingly right? so, though. Like, yeah, he's, yeah. he's doing this not because he wants to. It's because he has to. Uh, and that Paul also has training in the voice. Make your joke, Steve. <laughs> well, you know, I auditioned for the voice once. You know. <laughs> They're pretty good, but not good. <laughs> uh, setting them up, knocking them down, and then uh, that wraps up that conversation. And just before just uh, just before guys, the hell of leaves, she uh, Jessica notices that tears are coming down uh, guys, hell of face, and that she looks really sad about this. So I think that kind of reflects the fact that bad shit's Too gonna happen. Much. Plastic surgery. <laughs> Her you know? tear ducts. They're, they're too they're just, exposed. That's it. They're open. <laughs> I think. No, it, I'm sorry. She she knows what's what's coming. Yeah, she knows what's coming. And. Yeah. Clearly I think it's not she, good. Even though like this has not been like a, the most friendly of conversations between um, Jessica, Paul, and Guy Zell and Mahayam, uh, I think there is like a bit of respect between guys, Helmaheim and Jessica, at least in this mother daughter. way. I think so that's, too. Cause it's kind of set up like that. They've talked to each other in that way. Jessica has this profound respect for guys, Helmaheim, but I think it's also like not something that she chooses. It's because she was like forced to go through this Benny Jesuit program. And it's almost like a Stockholm syndrome in a way. But yeah, exactly. without, but without that training, like she doesn't know where her life would have wouldn't been. Wouldn't be a Benny Jesuit. Like if you, you wouldn't be a Benny Jesuit and not have respect for guys Helen Mayim. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I think they find girls. I think like they recruit like orphan girls and stuff for the uh, Benny Jesuit program, or they just breed them. Through, through the breeding program, they just like that one's going to be a Benny Jesuit, that one's going to be a Benny Jesuit, and just start from the very, very beginning. You know? Yeah. So, not a lot of choice happens in this. <laughs> There's you know? really not a lot of choice at Duneland. No, I think the You're only just people. sort of uh, forced to do a lot of things. Yeah. And I Ooh. think the only people that have choice in a lot of, the, in a lot of what's happening are the Harkonnens. Uh, but they're doing this all in a conniving way. It's almost like choice is like for evil people and the good people follow what's 
in their destiny, which I think that's just kind of like a weird 60s way of thinking. You know, it's just kind of uh, like, yeah, I mean, I get, I guess. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Yeah. It seems like we might get like, like you were saying, like, I I hope that there is a switcheroo at some point of the axis of evil here. And uh, maybe things, you know, maybe the Harkonnen aren't, aren't so bad. The Baron seems pretty shitty. But I don't know. Yeah, I don't think there's anything that's going to bring him back from that. Um, No, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun uh, what we see going going into the future. But that wraps up Chapter 3 today, everybody. Uh, Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, We'll be back tomorrow with... Chapter 4 of Dune.